1: 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the
0: traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. One fly ball deep left center, him on the round Yes! Yes! Yeah, yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The Atlanta Braves yeah. have given you a
1: championship. 25 lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know center, and the 25 lighters on my dressing,
0: son, yes, sir. you know I got to get paid, swing and drive, welcome to the show! 25 lighters for my 25 folks.
1: Now get ready! This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Sports Drink and our new fancy website where, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but we have to have Cam. Uh, and Alex on for a little showdown because somebody, not going to say who, tried to insinuate that they might be better than TPS. And as you guys all already know, that's just false. But the good news is, if you want to hear our spirited debates, I'm sure I can get Alex or Cam to come on a locker room or a Spotify green room, as it's now known, and we can break this down wholesale style and every one of you can tell them how much better we are because you guys are our loyal fans and not theirs. But you should be going to the Sports Drink website and you can take a look at our little bios and how professional we look with our little show breakdowns. Today is always, as always, brought to you by Spotify Greenroom, the best audio-only app for sports fans and fanatics on the market. You can get it on iOS or Android. It is free to download, create your own profile, link it to your Twitter. Follow us on there, the Platinum Sombrero. Want to really just follow me, since Doc is a professional and he's above such things. Uh, Follow along on there, and you can see ours every week. We do a Spotify Greenroom, or most weeks, when my son is not... Contributing to Mets disease around the world, we do Spotify Green Rooms. We will do that again this week. So, follow along on Spotify Greenroom. Download it on your phone or your tablet or your laptop or whatever and join the audio craze that is sweeping the nation. Spotify Green Room, changing the name of the game. So, Doc, this is kind of weird for us to record on a Tuesday and to actually have a lot of stuff to talk about, but luckily for us, Alex Anthopoulos saw how much that we were... Um, or what exactly was happening on an off day, which things always go crazy on Braves off days? You know what? He decided to throw everybody a little bit of a bone and let blooper break some news. Charlie Morton is extended, my friend.
0: I kind of wondered uh, whether or not this was going to happen. You know, he's obviously had a soft spot for the Braves ever since. Uh, ever since he left, you know, he got traded in that Nate McClouth deal, what seems like eons and eons ago. And it wasn't until he he wound up with the Astros that he really took that massive step forward. And now he just. You know, he's like the elder statesman. He's one of the oldest players in the game as things stand right now. And he just keeps getting better. So with some of the uncertainty still surrounding the rotation for next year with uh, Mike Soroka and Tucker Davidson, um, maybe Ian Anderson, too, depending on how you feel about his his two most recent starts since coming back from uh, from shoulder pain. Um, this does give you a little bit of um it kind of solidifies the rotation. You're looking at a top three of Freed, Morton, and Noah, which is just dangerous in a playoff setting. And then also, you know, for, for stringing that together for an entire 162, that's really, really good. Um, it's $20 million a year. It's not just for uh, 2022, but there's also a an option for 2023 with no buyout, which is interesting, but it's $20 million for both years. There's no guarantees that Charlie's going to be as good next year as he's been this year or in the past, but... Some some guys are just ageless wonders. Some guys just defy that whole aging thing, and Charlie seems to be one of those for right now. So somebody with with his experience, uh, not not just being a World Series winner, but, but just the ups and downs. We talked about him last week, about how part of the reason he's so good right now is because he was so bad for so long, and he really learned um, how to outsmart himself uh, on the mound, kind of. So I just love this move. I absolutely love it, and uh, just... He's not from Braves country, but he's always been an honorary Brave, so really glad to have him in the fold for next year.
1: And he's, he's one of my absolute favorite guys to watch on the mound. His curveball is absolutely ridiculous for a, a, a rotation that features some ridiculously good breaking balls, along with Tukey's and Max Fried's and, of course, Waskar Slider. There's a lot of really good breaking balls on the Braves, and, and Charlie Morton's is one of the best, if not the best of the bunch. And he's just a, he's, he's that kind of elusive veteran that's still really good that the Braves have been chasing for years. And he still has it, obviously. The only question has been whether or not he wanted to keep playing. There was some rumors that he might retire last year. I'm sure those rumors will resurface after this season. And I thought Alex did a really good job of approaching Charlie. And Charlie basically being like, you know what? I'm either going to retire or play for you guys. So we'll see how it goes. $20 million seems like a lot to stomach. It's uh, the only Alex is not in the habit of handing out $20 million contracts per season. To the best of my knowledge, the only two that have done that now have been Josh Donaldson and, and Charlie Morton. Um, but a very, very excellent signing. Uh, he, he still is the number one pitcher on the staff. And actually, got we were, we were digging down the rabbit hole a little bit earlier before the show. We'll throw out some, some fun numbers a little bit later. Um, but he, he's a really, really good pitcher to have, not just because he's skilled, but because he has such a, a good understanding of the game. He's been bad, and he's been really good, and he knows what it takes to be both. And never discount what it does for young pitchers to see a really good vet, not just a veteran, but a veteran who is better than those young guys and how they go about their game. That, to me, is the kind of the one thing that's been missing. For, for the last few years, it's been the young guys who have been the best of the pitchers, with the veterans kind of trying to show them how to go about their business. The difference here is not only does Charlie know how to go day-to-day, he is the best pitcher on the staff, so naturally you're going to try to emulate him. Uh, and we've, we've heard him talk about Ian Anderson, and how much he enjoys Ian Anderson. We'll talk about Ian here in a second, um, but never discount the, the type of, of the type of what's the right word I'm looking here. The type of impact Charlie can have on some of these younger guys, whether it be in even more established guys, we think of max as a veteran pitcher and he is, but he's still only 27 years old and he's never really had that, that number one guy in front of him ever since max has been a starter. He's essentially been a top two, maybe a top three starter in rotation, but essentially he's never had that, that one veteran guy to look to and say, Hey, this is how you model your game. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I don't think 20 million is too much. Um, it's kind of encouraging to me, frankly, that the Braves are already looking at about a, uh, a salary of about 135 million before arbitration and anything like that heading into next season. So I like where we're heading there, and I, I like that Alex got out in front of it. No need to challenge it this this offseason if you're both willing to do it right now. You just saw, you just re-signed Travis Darno, so things are things are looking very good for the Braves. They look to kind of settle in on a roster for the first time in the last few years, where they're not really chasing that veteran arm. Now they can allow things to kind of matriculate the way that they want to.
0: No doubt. And and if I am Kyle Wright, I do everything I can to staple myself to Charlie Morton all offseason. And I'll tell you why. Part of the reason why what makes Charlie so stunning to watch is that he always and we have seen we have seen a million prospects come up and you see the fear in their eyes. You see the fear in their face. And Kyle Wright is the most egregious violator of this. We talked about him pitching scared all the time, and part of the reason why we we go back to that narrative is because you can see in his face. You can see that lack of confidence. And Charlie is cool as a cucumber no matter what. He's like, all right, man, I'm so mad at myself for falling behind this guy 3-0. I know how to strike him out, and I'm and going I... to, but I just have to stay calm and go pitch by pitch. Kyle's trying to strike guys out when the count is 3-0. You know what I mean?
1: And I think a lot of that is because, don't forget, when Charlie came up, he was not very good. Charlie struggled for years, got hit around, despite the fact that Brian McCann will tell you, always had the best stuff of the Braves' guys. He wasn't exactly a super high-profile prospect, but he was never a throwaway either. That's why he was basically he was the main piece going for Nate McLeod, who at the time was a pretty good player for the Pirates. Um, but that's another good reason. When you bring up about Kyle Wright being able to learn from Charlie Morton, it, Charlie wasn't born just being able to handle it all. He struggled for a long time in the big leagues too until he figured it out. So that's a good call there. But also on the flip side of that, uh, if you're Kyle Wright or you're Tukey or you're Kyle Muller or Tucker Davidson uh, or Jaseel De La Cruz or any of these young guys looking to, to stamp out a spot, I'm not going to include Wascar because Wascar has stamped out a spot precipitously. Um, you're starting to look around a little bit. You're starting to be like, hmm, this rotation's getting kind of full now. What, what's going to happen here? Uh, and that's a good problem to have. It's it's not as much fun when you follow prospects more than you follow big league players because there's only so many spots. But as far as your team being in a situation to where they're a real contender, these are the types of decisions you have to make. Look no further than the Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin has still yet to break in full force into the Dodgers rotation. You're going to start seeing that with a lot of these Braves arms who are very good pitchers and who could start for a lot of other teams and just don't have the room to do it here. When you look at next year, you're going to have Charlie Morton in there. You're going to have Max Freed. You're going to have Wascar Noah, And you're going to get Mike Soroka back probably, I would guess, probably somewhere around June or July. But you're going to have Soroka back in there too. So between Ian Anderson, Wascar Noah, who I'll throw in for, for just argument's sake, is going to have a spot. But So I'm, I'm not – you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to include Wascar because Wascar's earned a spot. He's been the second best pitcher on the Braves this year. Uh, and I don't mean – better than Charlie, if that lets you know exactly how well Wascar has been pitching. So you're talking about um, Ian Anderson, Tukey Toussaint, Kyle Muller, Tucker Davidson, Hacile De La Cruz, and whoever else comes flying up. Bryce Elder is in Gwinnett right now. Spencer Strider will be in Gwinnett next year, I guarantee you. Uh, Jared Schuster is in A now. He, he, he might get to Gwinnett at some point next year. There's a lot of competition. Kyle Wright, obviously as well. There is a lot of competition for one spot in the rotation.
0: And and that is that is just contingent on I mean, the best case scenario here is that you go into next year and you've got Freed, Morton, Anoa, Anderson, Soroka. You you're you're right, you're not gonna get Soroka back till midseason. But you also you can you can mix and match. The depth seems annoying w- when you want to make a big trade, right? Oh man, why why aren't we trading all these pitchers? How many times? How many Twitter comments? How many Facebook comments? We're not gonna have a 22 man rotation, guy. Yeah, nah, 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 whatever. Like that all seems fun, and it's a great talking point if you wanna if you wanna be like super annoyed with the front office. But at the same time, when you're still not able to put together that full rotation, whether it's because of injury or underperformance or ineffectiveness or whatever the case may be, and all teams deal with this for the record. It's not just Braves that are dealing with this. The Braves are actually really well equipped to handle this because it's like, oh no, we need somebody to step in. Well, we've got Tukey. He's major league ready. He's not elite. If he was, he'd be starting already, but he is major league quality. Kyle Muller, same thing. Tucker Davidson, when he's not hurt, they have the Kyle Wright. They have the guys that, that are able to step in and do this. So even if the best case scenario doesn't play out, we have one of the better band-aids in MLB. And and, and look, you some prospects that you thought were going to be top of rotation guys and aces, they wind up being quad A players or they wind up being sixth starters. And there's a lot of value in that. Not everybody is the only people that have value are not stars. You know, all major league players have something to contribute unless you're Kevin Smith. So, but we,
1: we, (laughs) I love the Kevin. Yeah. He's not,
0: he's not even with us anymore and I'm, I'm still taking swings at him, but okay. So a couple weeks ago when the Travis Darno extension was announced was when I, I did the recap there. And I think I managed to go like 24 minutes and I did not say Freddie Freeman once, but since we're both here, and I think that we both are very of, very much of a similar mind here that you don't bring back Travis Darnot before the season's over and you don't bring back Charlie Martin before the season's over unless you know you're bringing back Freddie Freeman. Otherwise, what are you doing? It sends such horribly mixed signals to the fan base, not to mention doing so is just dumb to me anyway. So to me, this is an even bigger indication that Charlie Morton, who's going to be 38 next year, Ba- which is basically on death's doorstep for a major league player, and he's getting a $5 million raise, tells me that the franchise player who has indicated many times that he has no intentions of going anywhere is going to still be around next year.
1: Do you agree? I, I do, and I actually think it, it... I don't know that this is the case, but knowing the way that Alex operates and the way that Freddie operates, it is not, it is not outside the realm of possibility that these two have already talked and, and already basically decided that, yeah, we're bringing you back. And now since they know that they're going to be able to bring Freddie back, they know Freddie has no interest in leaving. Every anything, they're going to focus on adding the ancillary pieces. Maybe knowing that Liberty Media, who, if you believe some of the rumors, and I don't know whether you should believe any rumors about this front office, period, but if you believe those rumors, Alex might have been a little surprised and had the rug pulled out from under him as far as salary available for this season, which is why he gave Drew Smiley $11 million. Personally, I think that that's a little bit of a... I think that that's, that's a little bit of a hindsight argument and kind of a way to kind of make it like, whoa, whoa, no, I didn't really screw up giving him $11, $11 million. I, I, if I would known that I only had this much, I probably wouldn't have given that to him. I think that was just an experiment for him. I think that that was a guess that just didn't turn out correctly for him. Uh, but we should also mention Smiley has not been as bad as people want to say he has been. He certainly hasn't been good, but he hasn't been, like, epically bad either. He's been okay. Um, shouldn't be in the starting rotation. He's not anymore. But but wasn't, wasn't just a waste of money. Uh, I, I do wonder if the thought process for Alex is, okay, I know Liberty is not going to want Freddie Freeman, the franchise guy, to leave since attendance is the big thing for them and we lead the league in attendance or are number two in attendance. So if they're going to go over the quote-unquote money cap that they give Alex for anybody, it'll be for Freddie Freeman. So you might as well address the other issues now knowing that you probably have a little bit extra from what you're thinking in the bank for Freddie Freeman. That's a
0: really good point. That's, you know, Liberty Media is disengaged as an owner, okay? Um, But even Liberty Media knows that this would be just suicide. You don't let Freddie Freeman walk, especially somebody who's been so vocal about coming back. And I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for this, but... I don't care. This Half of this is my show, so I can I can say whatever I want.
1: <laughs>
0: Going into 2020, the Braves had set a payroll record. And it looked like everything that we'd been looking at, like, okay, we've been... They have been waiting to raise the payroll to until it felt like we're a machine. You know, the train has left the station. We are rolling, you know? And then the pandemic happened. And yes, I know they're a billion-dollar company. They could spend if they want to, so on and so forth. There's a million different... Things that people will say when they just want to be mad at Liberty Media. But during a pandemic, when you're a company that has your hand in multiple cookie jars, it's not just baseball. You know, It's all over the board. They weren't just losing their ass on baseball. They lost a lot, a lot of money. And you can laugh at it and say, yeah, well, they're this, they're that. But if you want the team to spend, you need to look at the entire picture. So it doesn't really surprise me that they scaled back the payroll in 2021, and as soon as the season opened up and people started coming back to games, people started coming back to the battery. The team wasn't playing well, but but attendance was up because people missed it, and all of a sudden, the other areas where Liberty was losing money, they started making money in those again. So now it's like okay. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. Let's spike the payroll again. Let's give Charlie Morton $20 million. They gave Cole Hamels $18 million to sit there and do nothing. He pitched three innings, you know? And then Charlie Morton showed, and he basically has taken that role, and he's actually done something with it. They gave him that money when they were trying to amp up the payroll. So now this looks to me like they're trying to ramp it up again. Freddie Freeman's not leaving. I will post a video of me eating a platinum sombrero, on Twitter, if Freddie Freeman signs with another with another team, okay, like it's it's not happening. It's it's just not happening. He's not going anywhere. So relax.
1: No, no, Freddie Freddie's going to retire a Brave. I fully believe that. That's been what he's wanted to do. Atlanta is his home. He may be from California or whatever by way of Canada, but he he's a Brave. he he is he wants to be the Chipper Jones guy. He wants to be the franchise guy, the guy that stayed here from the minor leagues all the way through the big leagues. That's I I fully expect that's what's going to happen. Uh, and, and we do have to move away from just that talk. We'll talk a little bit more about that because I have some nice ideas about the offseason. But this is kind of, maybe we'll fit, we'll fit that in later if we have time. Because uh, that's not super important right now, but it is just always fun for me to look at forward just because that's how I am. But we do need to talk about the team as a whole. And now, after the Charlie Morton extension, we kind of look at what the Braves are going to be. We're going to see them in about 40 minutes or so get underway taking on the hapless Nationals, and that's good news for the Braves because they did not handle the Rockies as well as you and I thought that they would and should. Uh, we both felt that they should beat the Rockies, that they're a better team, and it didn't matter that they were in Coors. Well, the Braves split the series, which isn't the worst thing that could happen. Um, and definitely not the worst thing that could happen when you consider they had three bad starts from starting pitching. Uh, now, you can get I don't judge too harshly on Coors because the first time you pitch there, you do have to learn that ballpark a little bit. Because you are going to give up home runs on balls that you, frankly, should not be giving up home runs on. It does play a little bit differently there. Uh, So there there are some learning curves there. We saw Waskar struggle with that a little bit. Didn't really struggle to throw strikes, but couldn't quite get the handle on exactly how his pitches were going to break there. And we mentioned, everybody mentions it all the time. Talk to any former professional player, and they will tell you, the ball just moves differently in Colorado. And you got to kind of figure that out. For Waskar, he struggled a little bit. Ian struggled a lot more, and Tuki struggled more than either one of those two. But the Braves were able to split the series. They're only a game and a half up on Philly now, unfortunately, because Philly has maybe the easiest schedule in baseball to finish out the season. I think the Braves are probably the only team they face that's over 500 to end out this season. Um, but the Braves don't have a particularly difficult stretch either. So this could be a, a kind of down to the wire. I still think that as long as the Braves handle business the way that they should, The division is theirs to give away, and that gets started tonight versus the Nationals. It'll be Max Freed trying to shake off some of the Washington demons. Facing a garbage Nationals lineup should help him out a little bit more. Uh, going up against Paulo Espino, who last time we saw him pitched pretty well, unfortunately, against the Braves, but really hasn't been a good pitcher this year. Overall, this is this is kind of the series where the Braves need to get back on the track where now they're back home for a stretch here. They get to face bad teams at home in succession. So it's time for the offense to do some work, and it's time for the pitching staff to get a little bit of a break.
0: You saw the last time we faced a couple of crappy teams. Uh, it actually started with the Nationals and the Marlins, much like this one does. Um, and they went nine and zero. So there's no guarantees that they're going to be able to do that again. But th- this is the the part of the schedule where before they uh, they go face the, the Giants again and they face the Padres again. Um, you know the, these are some games that they they got to take care of business. Um, the Phillies, as much as I would love it if they suck, they just kind of don't. Um, they they kind of I had criticized them a couple weeks ago when I said it didn't seem like they were playing with any urgency. Um and now they seem to have kind of cleaned that up. I think I think they see an opening or at least they think that they see an opening. Um and look, it's it's also I'm just it's entirely possible Philadelphia could catch the Braves. I the Braves are the better team. Philadelphia could catch us. I'm I'm not trying to put my head in the sand and act like it couldn't happen, but you know, yeah, Philadelphia is playing very bad teams. So are we. The magic number to clinch the division is 25 that is not insurmountable. A game and a half is not a lot, but you only have to win the game the division by one. So the head-to-head matchup that last week of the season is you know the people that are made, that made the schedule are patting themselves on the back right now. I mean it's a division rivalry. You know that that, that that's going to happen. You got to have division rivalries at the end of the season, but um I'm kind of curious about rest for everybody. This is, and you pointed this out to me, like this is the hardest time of the year for snicker just in terms of how do you rotate your guys out? We talked last week about, do you want to be fresh or do you want to stay hungry? And ideally you can, you can kind of be in the middle. And one thing that the Braves did really well, at the trade deadline was beefed off the outfield out of necessity. But you know they traded for Orlando Arcia earlier in the season and you know they called him up in uh, early in September but they don't really have a ton of infield options right now you're not going to be able to give more than one guy uh off at a time, which you really wouldn't want to do anyway until you have everything clinched. But your best option at first is going to be, be to move Riley across the diamond and sub in like Adrianza. Or or maybe you, maybe you could do Arcia over there. But I mean, the outfielders, they basically snit is in the process of rotating them every day. But for the infielders who are in the process of setting records right now, then there's not a lot of rest to be had. So. Braves need to be careful. I like I said. I still think we're the best team, and there's. I don't want it to sound like I'm panicking, but uh, you know, my I liked it better when we were leading the division by five and a half. I'll just put it that way.
1: I'll put it this way. I'm not really panicking. I, I still don't think that the Phillies are a very complete team. Their bullpen's still not good. Their starting rotation outside of Zach Wheeler is really not good. You can tell me Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola has not been good this year. Uh, his his FIP is way better than his ERA, but he hasn't been Aaron Nola good. He's been about on par as like a as a three starter uh, but aside from that they they Bryce Harper has been incredible this year that's that's really been their only player that's been substantially better than anybody else Real Muto has not been the best catcher in baseball this year now he's missed a few games here and there and he's still been very good but he hasn't been the elite real Muto that we're used to seeing so I'm not super worried about them it is more about this is going to be the hardest stretch for snicker to actually manage because he's got so many different options to use. You brought up Orlando Arcia. I would end the RC in the outfield experiment. I'd have him go back to the dirt where he's most comfortable and use him to give Dansby Swanson a couple of days off. Use him to give Ozzy Albies a couple of days off. Use him to give Austin Riley a couple of days off. Riley can give Freddie some days off or whatever, and you can work it around that way. Uh, and you could even, for instance, you could put Travis Darnot at first base for a few games to give Freddie a day off and to really give Travis's knees a, a day off or so. Um, there, there's a lot of ways to go about it. The harder thing is going to be figuring out how Snicker is going to use his rotations because he's got three guys in the outfield who have essentially been pretty close to the same type of player. Duvall is definitely the best defender of the three that we're talking about, Duvall, Rosario, and Jock Peterson. Lair needs to be in the lineup every day. Lair has been one of the best hitters in the entire second half of baseball, one of the best players since the trade deadline. Uh, he's, he's getting on base a ton. He hits the ball a mile. He's hitting a bunch of homers. Uh, running a really high OBP. You can't afford to not have him in the lineup. He also makes the two-spot in the lineup much more difficult for teams to navigate. So he's going to essentially stay in there every day. So it's going to come down between, um, really, uh, really, Rosario, Peterson, and Duvall. And you've got to figure Duvall's defense is going to make him a lock to play every day, whether it's in center or whether it's in left field. So then you go between Jock and Rosario. Now, I actually feel like Snicker has been doing Jock a disservice. Jock is a better baseball player than Eddie Rosario. Rosario is a bad defender, but Rosario is very good at hitting right-handed pitchers. Unfortunately for Jock, Snickers sees him as a lefty and doesn't want to put him against lefties, even though Jock has been very good against left-handed pitching this year. Unfortunately, I feel like Jock's getting squeezed out of playing time a little bit. I would like to see that change. When Rosario was added for for Pablo Sandoval, I assumed that Rosario was going to be the bench guy, that he was going to be that guy that you bring in near the end, that he was essentially going to take Sandoval's role and that you'd see Rosario, Adrianza, and Heredia as the three bench pieces with Peterson, Soler, Duvall basically starting in the outfield every day. So maybe we'll still get to that point. I don't know. I think that that's the best option for the Braves. I think that Jock, no matter what you think of Rosario and Jock, I think Jock has shown that he's a better hitter overall and he's a a better upside than Rosario. But I don't really like the platoon that's kind of average itself out. It kind of hurts that Duval hasn't played well against left hand starters for some reason. Uh, that kind of takes out your ability to platoon Duval and Peterson or Rosario pretty strictly. Um, it, it, it makes a tough decision for Snicker. I'm not sure if that he's going to make the right one, but uh, one thing's for sure: if you want to make the right decision, download the Spotify Green Room app immediately. Make sure you're following along to my page or the Platinum Sombreros page. You can be kept up to date whenever we drop our episodes. Spotify Green Room changing the name of the audio game. What do you think?
0: First off, I think that was even smoother than last week. Um, you. <laughs> I, you know, I think that uh, Sean Nolan is starting tomorrow for the Nationals. He's a lefty, so I think that Haredi is actually, get, actually going to get some playing time just to keep him from getting too rusty. But yeah, I mean, Peterson came over. It was like he was. Ooh, Braves got him at a time where it, that things were very uncertain, and he. He was all right when he first came over, but he wasn't amazing. And I think that the way that he played during that time, Snit was kind of looking at it the same way, like, oh, this guy's good, but maybe he's not as good as we thought he was or something. And, and you know, back in the baseball card stats, you know, notwithstanding, you know, this year – you, know, you look at the past and you know jock was mashing righties and can't hit lefties and this year he's actually hitting lefties average wise uh, better than he was hitting righties but just the the way that the outfield is architected you've got so many guys and and none of them are full-time bench players you know any any team that you're looking at even somebody like Rosario who's wrc plus was like 88 when the Braves first got him you know he's not a full-time bench player you know he's he's actually a pretty good hitter he just sucks at defense so
1: well, he also he also is good from the left side of the plate. He is atrocious from the right side of the
0: plate. Well, and if you could start to get away, like you were talking about Darno getting a start at first, like if you could start Duval at first, you know, it's something, something like that to, to keep the bat in the lineup.
1: Rosario has infield experience, by the does way. Does he? Don't does forget it, that. Does he really? Rosario has played everywhere on the field. Yes, he does. Rosario can play second. He can play third. So ideally, he could play first base too. The only place he can't really play is shortstop and catcher. Huh. And he should never be in center field.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't really recommend that he ever does that. But that's that's interesting. I wonder if that's one of those um, Tatis-type things where it's like, hey, so we are going to try this in the outfield. Don't laugh. Um, but,
1: hey, you're a pretty bad defender here. We don't think you can get much worse anywhere else, so we're at least going to spread you. Hey, like we
0: know it. you had a shoulder injury. How do you feel about throwing from way farther away? Um so, yeah, I, I think that, that it, it'll be a tough balance. The next 10 games should allow, you know, like when, when it comes around to when the Braves are playing the Phillies and the Mets, those last six games of the season, um, there will be no off days for that. There will be no off days during the Padres series or the Giants series. So if you're going to start rotating guys out, if you're going to give somebody a full day off, these truthfully are the series to do it. But can you really afford to do that? It comes back to what we said before. This is the hardest stretch of the year. How do you know? How do you know who to move and who to not? So I am – I'm curious. I'm curious to see how much time Austin Riley gets over at first base through the end of the year because you need to rest Freddie, but you need to rest Austin too. But one thing's for sure, man, he's been I, – I just – I can't believe – I can't believe how good Austin's been this year. And and today I saw the graphic that MLB Network is starting to include him on the MVP graphics. And before and – Yeah, I mean, before it was just Chip. You know, Chip has been driving the strain since – you know, the early part of August. Um, and and then it became, it grew a little more. You started hearing like Matzik talking about it and Morton talking about it. And then it was DOB and Bowman. And now it's like, it's a national thing. I still, I don't think that he's done enough to to win. I think it's things stand now. He would get some down ballot votes, but it's things stand now. I mean, there there's a million different metrics that he's doing well in, but he's, he's not, He's only in the top five in one of them, but he's in the top 10 in all of them. So it depends. The people that are doing the voting, some of them are, are still batting average queens and love to look at your, your triple crown stats, your uh, average home runs RBI. And in those three, he's doing really, really well. And for any of the advanced metrics guys that have votes, which are fewer and farther between because it tends to be some older heads that are doing the voting. Um, he's, he's actually doing well in those, those stats as well. I just it's so bizarre. Going into this season, what percentage of the fan base do you think wanted to trade Austin Riley, who played 136 games and accumulated point 0one F war in his entire career?
1: Uh, I would say about I would say at least eighty percent. I think you had a few holdovers that were will just say that they'll side with whatever Braves player they have or people that liked Riley for whatever reason. <clears throat> then you'll have some that were diehard believers of Austin because of some of the things they saw in some of his minor league abilities and because of what he showed when he first came up. But definitely, this season has been absolutely incredible for Riley. And when you talk about that MVP candidacy, I think, I actually think his case is better than his numbers illustrate because... Now, prepare, because I don't do this often. I think he's being hosed by statistics and I don't think that the statistics are being applied to him correctly. Because... If you just look at his outs above average, they're going to tell you that he's a horrible defender. That is, That does not pass the eye test. That doesn't pass the, spell, the smell test. That doesn't pass anything. The only thing I can figure is that his his defensive rating gets hammered because when the Braves shift, Austin is the one that goes to the right side of the field and plays in the outfield. And if balls get through there, that you'd figure a second baseman or a shortstop would be able to get to pretty easily. Austin obviously doesn't have the range of Ozzie or Dansby, and I think that hurts him a little bit. because I think that if... If the Braves didn't shift the way that they do, I think Austin's numbers would be substantially higher than they are right now. I think he's better than Max Muncy. I would vote for Austin before I'd vote for Muncy. They're kind of similar players. Muncy has a really high OBP. Um, Austin has one less home run. He's beaten him in RBI. He's far better. Like Muncy's hitting 255, Austin's hitting 295. And now I get it, obviously. OBP, or batting average is not everything. But if you're talking about two players that you're essentially just looking at the offense, Austin Riley is the more well-rounded, is the more well-rounded offensive player between him and Max Muncy. But Muncie gets to play first base, which any sort of range play that he makes at first base is going to substantially raise his outs above average versus Austin Riley. Austin is the leader in the NL in F4 among third basemen. That's nothing to sneeze at. Third base is a much more difficult position than a first baseman. I don't normally agree with first baseman getting the MVP unless they do something spectacular, like Freddie Freeman did last year. Let me be clear. Bryce Harper should be the MVP if the season ends today. Bryce Harper should be your MVP. I know a bunch of people are going to vote for Tatis. That's just lip service because Tatis is fun to watch. Bryce Harper has been the most impactful player in the National League. OPS up over 1,000, 28 homers, after missing some time, has been the only consistent member of that Philadelphia team Harper should be the guy that wins the 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 MVP. Uh, for a long time, I was I thought it was going to be Harper versus Freddie. Freddie's kind of fallen off pretty substantially since the cycle game, so we'll see if he can use this this homestand to get kind of rolling again. But Austin has been matching Freddie step for step. It just doesn't show up in WAR value because defense is tanking Austin, and I do not agree that his defense is that bad.
0: I don't either, and it, and it's something that it's it's kind of um. How can I put this? It's Jeter-esque. It's very Derek Jeter-esque. Just because what you saw... Well, Jeter's defense was... Well, what you saw from Jeter was that he had the ability to make that spectacular play, which... You know, say what you will about him. He he did make some really just like, are you serious? Type plays, but he would also really struggle with some of the routine stuff. And because Austin had some things earlier in the year with, uh, like, his throwing was really inaccurate for a while. You remember that when he was like air mailing throws in like April May?
1: Yep every every couple of every couple of games he'd have an easy throw and he'd just sail it, but he'd make the, some crazy diving. Yeah,
0: play. exactly. And and be, and because of that, you know, he he he's not quite as rangy i guess i i don't know he the defensive metrics for infielders are tricky By because the way, of the shifting you were right about that
1: quick quick note if you're just looking at fangraphs there's a plus 7 drs at third base this year he was a negative 10 last year
0: yeah i mean that's a huge shift and even the, he has made
1: 67 out of zone plays
0: and even for even for ones that are where he's not having to rely on his range, like there was a game a couple weeks ago uh, against Washington where Keyboom just mashed one down the line, two outs in the ninth, that would have given the Nats the lead. Actually, no, I think... I think it was in Washington. I think they would have won that game. Yeah, Yeah. and he made that stab and a perfect throw to get him. And it's like that's range isn't going to get that out of zone isn't going to get that. That was a major league baseball play that you just made, and and that's it. It doesn't get reflected in the defensive metrics. So, I I personally I don't agree with the fact that he's grading out as a negative defender. He is in the first percentile as far as OAA on baseball savant, and that's not that's not right to me so and it's also when you're talking about his candidacy to shift back to the offense it is easy to forget how bad his numbers really were for the first three weeks between April 1st and April 20th he hit 220 with a 333 OBP and a 220 slugging he had zero extra base hits none zero of them 59 WRC plus and ever since then he's hitting 314 382 568 with 149 WRC plus he's got 54 extra base hits and 495 plate appearances. I mean, this guy, when when you look at the National League third baseman, it's Manny Machado, who signed a $300 million deal. It's Nolan Arenado, who's making $250 million, and who we would have traded Austin Riley for coming into this year. All of the third basemen that are having Austin Riley-esque seasons, we would have traded Austin Riley for. You know some of the guys like Jose Ramirez, who was the big target. I mean, he's he's been worth like five point two wars, so that's a little bit extreme. But he's honestly he's been like he's behind what is it, Devers, Moncada, and um,
1: and Moncada by the way has an OBP of over four hundred, or at least he did last time I saw. Like yeah, he's
0: taking long. his walks, and and Riley continues to be underestimated defensively on this. So all this to say, writers do in completely independent of stats writers love a good narrative and the best narrative of the season is coming from Austin Riley because it was some guy who was kind of being already glossed over brushed aside yeah thanks for the not even full season of games that you played we wish we could trade you for somebody else and then our superstar went down and Austin Riley kicked it into freaking hyperdrive and the next thing you know he's getting MVP consideration you know If the Braves win this division without Ronald Acuna, it is because of Austin Riley. And that right there, if I'm a writer, that carries a lot of weight.
1: I fully agree. I do want to say one thing in closing. I wonder if you realized this. Um, You were just defending Derek Jeter's defensive prowess against me. Um, I wonder, do you realize that we just went full circle from the very first time that you and I ever interacted on Twitter? Did we? I thought,
0: I thought it was about Angelton Simmons. Barry? actually, I guess, I guess no, it would have. Our,
1: our Angelton was probably after brought up from that discussion. Our actual very first discussion, by the way, brought to you by Six Degrees of Josh Sperry. We saw it from to begin with. Um, our very first discussion was me saying that Jeter should have stayed at shortstop over A Rod because Jeter's defense. Oh was, yeah, was oh. better than a lot of that. Now, mostly I'll say that's because A-Rod, once he got paid, decided to get fat and stop caring about defense. But it it just it never ceases to amaze me the, the crazy ways that, you, that things turn, where our first ever discussion was you on the side of Jeter's defense was worse and A-Rod should have been shortstop, and now you're over here on the opposite end of me where you said that Jeter would make crazy good plays and then buff on the routines, where I would say that Jeter made crazier plays or looked crazy, but they actually weren't that crazy. That they only looked insane because Jeter was a bad defender and did not have any range. Like his jump throw, his jump throw was like the the famous Jeter jump throw. Not like we you see shortstops make that every single day. His dive into the stands, he dove on purpose. There was no need for him to jump into the stands. He he ran like twenty five feet before diving into the stands. His throw to the plate was pretty nasty. I'll give him that one. But it's just funny to me. I don't, I don't know if you ever realize that, but it is funny to me to, to think back that that's how all of this started and how full circle that we've come. I,
0: I actually, I do remember that, but I, I do have to ask you a question. Um, was I an asshole? Because if I was, I'm really sorry.
1: <laughs> no, actually, I was probably the one that came off as the biggest jerk. Oh, I know. I know everybody listening is shocked to hear that. That I might have been the too opinionated one.
0: Was I trying to play it middle of the road and be like, "Oh, I yeah. see your point." Yeah, okay. Yeah, actually, yeah. like
1: you normally do. With
0: <laughs> yeah, my my shtick has uh, you know, the the things I use it on has changed, but the shtick is exactly the same. So <laughs>
1: the olive the olive branch person. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, it's hilarious how these things go. Crazy what you realize, like just just something random that sparks back something that brings back all the way to the beginning. But uh, speaking of all the way all the way to the beginning, I hope all of you guys made it through to the end of this episode. Uh, we are going to call it a day and get ready to watch Max Freed go out and handle uh, a very, very poor Nationals lineup and watch him sit down Soto in that stupid shimmy a few times. Uh, I'm excited to watch that. I know you are too. Looking yes. to see Max take over today. Looking to see Tukey kind of set things right a little bit tomorrow as well. We didn't talk about Tukey today, um, but be kind of ex- tomorrow's pretty important for him. Kyle Muller has been very good in Gwinnett. Um, it was not a good first start for, for Tukey taking over the rotation spot. We've kind of seen this happen to Tukey before. If you look at Tukey's numbers, he kind of has been falling apart a little bit. Hasn't really been pitching all that well. Been kind of held together with rubber and glue. So we'll see if he can go and make a statement tomorrow against a bad Nationals lineup uh, at home. Like to see him do that as well. Like to see the Braves start to build that gap a little bit between Philly. I know they beat uh, Milwaukee yesterday. Just need the, the Brewers to kind of help us out a little bit and take care of business the way that they should we'll see what happens going forward but doc thank you as always for being with me and thank you listeners for being with us here on sports drink and here on the platinum sombrero we'll be back again next week hopefully with the braves in another like three game lead in the division so y'all have a good time good luck to max Fried. wascar is the best in the business good job to charlie morton we'll see y'all again later on the platinum sombrero <laughs>
0: One love, we get to share it. It leaves you, baby, if you don't care for it. Okay, thanks. Bye.